Welcome, parents, to this episode of The Language of Play. Today, I have Vicki Nethling with me, and she is a fabulous woman that you are about to get to know. Here as an everyday parent to talk about how it is that you have navigated the communication struggles within your family. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children and wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated that your kids argue, whine, or debate with you? Are you afraid you're doing the wrong thing, but you're not sure what to do? Hey mamas, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. My name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get your kids to listen better, understand the clear communication, and the boundaries that benefit kids and all while enhancing your relationships. So if you are ready to build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. It's playtime, let's go. Vicki, thank you for joining me today. You're talking about your everyday parent experience to be able to connect and communicate with your lovely kiddos and niece and nephew and, and those people. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me be on. And, and again, my name is Vicki Nethling, and I'm a speaker, a speaker, trainer, coach, and I help people to overcome their fear of public speaking, as well as teach you how to lead with your heart, your head and your hands. But today we want to just talk about um, some of my life experiences that I think you, the audience, might really resonate with. Um, As we were talking earlier, I have a tremendous godchild who, um, whenever he was first born, um, they lived out in the country and his mom was a new mom, uh, the, uh, the youngest of a family, unfamiliar with what a a one-year-old or an eight-month-old, what those things that they should look for, you know, that developmental stage gates type of thing. And so I would visit them once a month on my trips up to Canada. And I noticed after um, a trip or two that he wasn't quite doing what other year-olds would do. And he um, had some focusing that um, made me wonder, is he deaf? Is he uh, learning disabled? Um, Is it autism? And at that young age, um, autism really wasn't diagnosed until they were three at that point. But living in the country where they were kind of in the more rural area, they had access to services and that made the difference in this child's life, because we got a speech therapist in to come to the house every single week for his first year. That's fantastic. That is so hard when a parent sees their child, this perfect child that they bring into the world, and they're watching that child grow. And and every hope that you have is in this child, and then you start to have worries. Mm -hmm. And whether your child has a disability or not, 
we have those thoughts. We have worries like, oh no, what if? Whether it's yeah. about gait and muscle or speech and language or interaction or nutrition and, and health and wellness, or maybe their skin, you know, whatever it is. We parents, we have worries about our kids. And so that that's a real hard part. I'm really glad that your God, your, what relation did you say they are to you? So it's my nephew, but he's my godchild. I'm his godmother. So your godchild had the ability to have intervention and the parents didn't become afraid and withdraw, you know, because there's so much shame around like, oh no, my kid isn't doing right. What am I doing wrong with my child? But that is so not the situation at all. Yet that is what many parents feel. And I've seen this in my practice many, many times as a speech therapist, that parents are feeling guilty for what it is that's going on with their child. So kudos to them for saying, oh, I see something is going on and I am going to go get the help that this child needs. It's not mm-hmm. about me. It's all about this child and we'll get what it ne- get what he needs. So thank you. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up and how they did that. So go ahead and tell us more about this story. And, and one of the, the things that I want to also share is that, you know, as a person, you know, I also have a, a church nursery that I run and am exposed to kids that are six months to three-year-olds. And it's the hardest thing for me to approach a parent sometimes because it's a very delicate conversation to have to have. And I just want the audience to understand that whenever someone is having that conversation with you, it is from the heart mm-hmm. and, and it, it, yes. it shouldn't be taken that, that we're um, criticizing you or your child or you're ringing, bringing up the child or anything. It's because we want to help. And for me, earliest detection is the key to so many things. So um, I just wanted to bring that up to the to the audience to contemplate and think about. Absolutely. It's not about like protecting your pride. Yeah. It's not really about the shame and guilt. It's really about the child, but it's hard to step out. So I'm really, really mm-hmm. glad that you brought that up. And I'm glad that you said it from your perspective. And I know that it's true. Yeah. So so what I saw with my nephew and the, the visits as we got uh, you know, as, after that first year of being with the speech therapist, it, um, we saw there were, he was more um, obsessive compulsive with things, um, but still his speech was very limited. And so you had that worry about what was his life going to be like as he um, grew. And, and so we never stopped doing that therapy, even after his diagnosis with having um, autism. Uh, we continue to do all that we could do to help him to be um, integrated. Even as he went into school, he was into sports and in his autism, um, he was a very happy child. He smiled and things that um, some autism uh, reaction doesn't have, but it was funny watching him do sports. And I don't know if any of the audience can relate to this, but um, he sports were difficult because he was a, a rule person. Like, you know, this is the rule. <laughs> and why are you not following the rules? And he would go up and talk to the person about what they were doing wrong on the team. And 
you know, the, the person who didn't have autism was like, what is this kid saying to me? Cause he's doing it now. He is very clear in his speech, but he's doing it in a way like, okay, well, you know, there wasn't that filter. And so that is something that as the time went on, he was learning how to build that filtering that we take for granted. And I think as a communication expert, that's something that, that even the adults sometimes need to remember that um, saying what just comes right to your mind always isn't the, the kindest, the best thing to do. Um, and, and that's what a lot of times I think leads to the bullying that, um, that he had through his middle school years he would say just what comes to his mind and doesn't have that filter. It's such Mm -hmm. a common trait among our students that have autism as a label. And the incidence of autism is certainly on the rise and it is quite a lot. And so now those people that were diagnosed with autism 20 years ago are adults. So we also have some adults that don't have real good filters. I think I've had some of those bosses through the years. Yeah, I've met plenty of people that don't have filters. And I've thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if they're on the spectrum. But one of the things that I do know is that those are also the people that I really like as friends, even though it can be awkward at times, and I don't like what they have to say. I know that it comes from the heart and it is truth. And it is their opinion. And if I want an honest opinion, those people are true friends. So Mm. even though there's this awkward time, I really love my friends that are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So your son, uh, sorry, godson experienced some bullying. And then how did you guys, like, what did he experience and how did you get through it? So I think the beauty of this, and again, for those parents that, that perhaps don't have a child that has autism, um, you might find that your child doesn't talk to you (laughs) as a middle school teenager, you know, you, they just shut you out. They're doing their computer games. And he, all his life, because his parents had to explain situations so that he could learn how to cope and manage to be as closely integrated into normalcy as possible, he is just a wonderful person to, he'll talk to you. Like he'll ask you questions and he will have conversations with you that are, as you said, are heartfelt. And so whenever he was having those problems, it wasn't, I'm not going to talk to anybody. He, he wasn't thinking, oh, well, it's something wrong with me. He's like, I already know I have something wrong with me. So I'm just going to talk to my mom about how I can deal with this. And to have that relationship with his mom and dad and his counselors in school, and I thank God for them. And his mom now is a para pro as well, but I think that that is a huge thing for the audience to hear. Your godson is able to have heartfelt conversations, smile and interact and build relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Many times I'm working with parents that have younger children and they haven't seen that yet. And they're Mm -hmm. just worried about that on the horizon because it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It seems like, will he ever build these connections and communication skills and abilities? And they're fearful because we know that our quality of life depends on our relationships. And you're telling us that it has happened. And I think it's beautiful. And can you go on about it more? Yeah. So he is now a freshman in college. 
the best thing in the world for me to see was whenever he, in his um, sophomore year, I guess it was, he joined the play um, stage group. So now, you know, he, he has this job, he feels part of a team, but it has rules. <laughs> you know, there are things that he has to do. And if he corrects somebody, it's because, you know, they're not following the rules, but that's a good thing because it's going to make the play go up. Okay. So it was ideal for him and it exposed him as a humorous, uh, you know, kid that has, he has a great sense of humor. And so now he was more accepted and then he, uh, that confidence and, you know, that's what I'm all about and find your leadership confidence is my podcast. So that confidence allowed him to get a job at a food store and, you know, be having money coming in and being responsible and, and accountable and then having going to college not be so scary for him. And uh, so he's at a junior college and he's going to move to after two years to a regular school. So um, that I think the thing for the audience to remember is that if you have a child that in that first year or two, that you don't see them developing like you think they should, or if somebody says to you, you know, especially if they're playing with another one-year-old and they aren't as communicative, get help. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, it's nothing against you. Get help because the difference will be how your child's life is after he graduates from high school. Man, that's well-spoken. Thank you so much, Vicki. I don't have any doubt that your words are encouraging and empowering for my listeners that have kiddos with disabilities that have kiddos with speech and language impairments of whatever sort, maybe autism, whatever else. And I, I actually have tears in my eyes thinking about just the, the feelings that the, feel, the parents have had that have come into my office and they're feeling so distraught about what is the future. And you're telling us a story where because of the early intervention, because of parents getting involved in doing things, because of them being brave, mm-hmm. that this child is on the street of, of he can do it. He's confident. He's capable. Yeah. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for the gift that you gave to all of us for sharing your story with us today. Everyday parents well, I, can do it. I, you know, I, I just... Thank you for the um, platform to be able to talk about this. You know, I am not a autism expert, but I am a mom and I do love my godchildren and my, um, you know, especially Casey. So thank you for sharing his story and your story. It's beautiful. Um, Before you go, because you do have a business here, and I know this isn't related to the podcast, (laughs) but go ahead and and put a contact information if you want to. have people contact you. So you can contact me and, uh, you know, definitely check out my podcast because it does cover the spectrum. And uh, there is probably a topic that would be of interest to you, but it is find your leadership confidence. And it's um, just find your leadership confidence.com. What you will find is that I have guests that bring information about self-care, about anxiety, about how to run your business with LinkedIn or um, how to be that, um, that next great 
author, speaker, trainer. So I bring people together so that they can grow in their confidence as leaders. I love it. Thank you. So um, parents and listeners, um, you had a wealth of information from Vicki today, and you also have a resource if you like what you've heard and want to know more about her. You'll find the links in the show notes. I, I can't thank you enough for being here to share your everyday parent story and all you listeners, your everyday parents. You can do it. Yes. Thank you. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.